Welcome back to another episode of Every Horror Movie on Netflix. Uh, I'm Patrick, back again this week with Chris. Hello. And Steven. Hi. How are you guys doing? What have you been up to lately to uh, keep yourselves entertained during uh, pandemic times? <laughs> well, we were just talking. Is, is there still a pandemic? Because it seems like everyone just got bored and decided it's over. But <laughs> that, that, that's a question above my pay grade. I've yeah, done we've some reached, horror shit. Uh, outbreak 2 territory now. I've done some horror shit. I um, have recently been watching What We Do in the Shadows Season 2, which is absolutely delightful. I think, Patrick, yes. you've been going through Season 1, or did you watch all of it? I did watch all of Season 1, and it was it was quite delightful. I, it's been a while since I've watched the What We Do in the Shadows movie, and so I... I kind of have forgotten much of the context for all this but yeah it's doesn't matter in a very dry way season one like totally eclipses the movie and season two eclipses both the movie and the first season of the show like it is absolutely delightful and hilarious um i'm i'm team guillermo do you remember Guillermo from season one? Oh, of course like, I remember Guillermo. Yeah, yeah Guillermo he's, he's is got the... some, He's got a strong dramatic arc in season two. You know, he's questioning not only his sexuality, but also his, like, relationship toward his his vampire host. Um, yeah, I mean, just, Guillermo, I guess we should clarify, is like the young familiar who's, uh, uh, you know, coming up under the tutelage of these insufferably vain stupid vampires mm-hmm. who are the the protagonists of the show and i mean is certainly the only actually likable character on the show so i'm glad to hear that uh, he's getting more to do this season well and i will say the other characters become more likable as as the second season drags on which i think is what makes it so great and i learned today it's been renewed for a third season which i'm absolutely oh, jazzed about yeah i feel like that show has all of a sudden caught fire in the last few months everybody's talking about it and i don't I don't know why it all of a sudden caught on with everybody, probably just because the second season was coming up, but I feel like it's all of a sudden getting recognized, and I'm glad to see that, because it's fun. It's a good show. Very it's a good weird show. show. And also, um, I've made a lot of impulse buys, because I'm just stuck inside of my computer all day. I bought a couple of mm. Critters Shout Factory posters a few days ago, and... Also, if you're well, if you're listening right now, it's over, and I'm sorry for that. But the Vinegar Syndrome Halfway to Black Friday sale is going on right now. So, Patrick, Chris, get on that. Um, if you don't know, Vinegar Syndrome is a Blu-ray label that does really pristine, beautiful, beyond Criterion level restorations of uh, cult horror, sci-fi, and porno movies. I'm looking at their catalog right now. Classic titles such as Blood Games, The Immortalizer, Psychic Killer, Drug Stories, I Like to Watch, and <laughs> L.A. Wars. Yeah, those are some of their, their new announcements for this Halfway to Black Friday sale, which is a big deal. I Unfortunately, I didn't recognize any of those titles, which I was sort of disappointed by, but they put out Liquid Sky, one of my favorite movies that was trapped on. Like, I literally, through the uh, Monroe County Library system, I got a DVD 
of a bootleg <laughs> of Liquid Sky years ago, um, but they finally restored it to its glory. And so this this week, my impulse buy because of the sale was um, I rounded it out with two Rudy Ray Moore movies. Nice. Yeah, the the last two I needed in my collection, The Human Tornado, and I forget the other one, but also Spookies, which is one of the most baffling movies. I can't wait to have a party with you guys and watch Spookies. It was a movie that was made by two different directors with very different ideas of what a horror movie should be, and it also features cover art by Richard Corbin, nonetheless. Nice. Well, if I was at all inclined to buy actual physical movies on blu-ray i would definitely check that out instead i've just been buying the physical media i've been buying is just really stupid fucking comic books uh like i recently purchased the 90s era marvel dc crossover lobo the duck which is a character uh amalgamating lobo the space bounty hunter and howard the duck which, as Stephen was saying in our pre-show discussion, are perhaps two of the dumbest fucking characters ever created in comics, and the result is just as dumb as one would expect. And I kind of regret spending that eight bucks now. But hey, I, I kind of want to read uh, it. Though. I can resell it. Oh, you want it? I'll sell it to you for five bucks. I'm not going to pay for it. <laughs> it's a it's a discount. I bought it for eight. Well, listen, we're we're not going to get into stupid impulse buys uh, because I I made the granddaddy of them all so bad I can't even talk Jesus. about it on this show. Uh, oh um, God! If only the fans could know, Chris. Maybe someday they'll know, but but not not now. Um, Wait, you're really but, not going to to divulge what you're talking about? No, no, I'm not going to. Maybe oh. another maybe another time when we oh, have man. a Patreon, we can uh, put that content up there. <laughs> well it's listening audience like rest assured yeah it's a doozy and if you ever find oh, out boy. It's, it's gonna be worth the wait i but. was screaming you'll be screaming um anyway but i've been just living vicariously through patrick in terms of horror stuff because uh patrick and allison with hawaii have been re-watching x-files and replaying heavy rain two of my favorite things in the whole world oh dude yeah we finished heavy rain last night <laughs> and, and I have you only to... ended up with like the second worst ending instead of the worst ending. yeah i mean as longtime listeners will remember in our discussion of heavy rain from the uh 2018 year in review episode i think heavy rain i, I selected as my favorite horror discovery or something of the year and and chris uh didn't you also select it as your favorite horror discovery of 2018 yeah, yeah, or something yeah, i don't know which of us picked it but yeah we were, we yeah. were giving it some love I it's mean, a video f- game. We're talking about video game. It's a video game. It's noir. There's definitely some horror elements to it. It's very uh, choose your own adventure. There are 16 different endings to it. And the first time I played it, I just got an absolutely horrifying ending where the worst possible thing happened to everybody except the villain. And the second playthrough, Allison played most of it, and then it uh, it it freaked her out. It was too much. There was it was too much stress. So she was like, "I want to see what happens, but I like can't." I can't take the stress of playing it. So I played the rest of it. It was still highly stressful for both of us. Like, fuck, I had forgotten. And then I ended up with the second worst ending. And so now I'm, I feel comfortable saying, fuck Heavy Rain. No one should play it. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like that. a game to me, but th- this brings me back to something I didn't mention on the cast a few it weeks ago. It's a playable movie. It's an interactive movie, I would so describe it So how does it compare to Bandersnatch? Have you watched or played Bandersnatch, Patrick? Oh, I mean, it is much more game-like than Bandersnatch, and also much better than Bandersnatch. I loved Bandersnatch. 
Like I might be. You gotta play heavy rain, Steven. It's inevitable. You're gonna play heavy rain. I might be in the minority, but like the meta element of that, like when you think it's over, it's not over, and you have to keep replaying different choices was really fun for me. And I also just love the '80s aesthetic and the uh, the Tangerine Dream soundtrack. If you choose that path. Pretty fun shit well, and pretty I, fucking horrifying too. Yeah, I mean, I, I I didn't dislike it, and also I don't think you have to keep replaying. It just offers you the opportunity to go back. It and does, try other but that's the thing. I feel like when it ends, it was kind of critically panned. But I feel like if you keep replaying, it rewards you for doing so. So like, if you're gonna watch Bandersnatch or play it, whatever the fuck, go the extra mile, and it will reward you. I never watched it. Maybe I should. But um, to, to go back to Heavy Rain, though, uh, Patrick's <laughs> texting me last night, and he, he says he's he's got the controller back from Allison. He's in charge, and then he just starts texting me, "Fuck," and telling me like all these these characters are getting arrested and dying. And he says, "Fuck," and he's like, "Is it possible I'll get an even worse ending?" And I say, "Nah, don't worry. That character doesn't matter. It's okay that he or she died." I said, "As long as Madison doesn't die in the fucking fire." Meaning, don't fucking jump out the window. You should be fine. And then the Dude, next message, the next, that was at twelve oh three a.m. At twelve fifty a.m., I get a text that says, "Fuck, I jumped out the fucking window." <laughs> <laughs> and it was all downhill from all right, there. Does anybody have a copy they can lend me? Because I feel like at this point, I do. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I have, it, I have it for PS4. So I don't want the fucking thing in my house anymore. I'm never playing it again <laughs> because God knows I'll probably only get the third worst ending next time. Give it to me because I've been hearing hot takes about this game for like seven years or however the fuck, <laughs> however long it's been out. Like, I feel like I should oh, yeah. just play it to have an opinion at this point. Oh, yeah. It, you won't be sorry. You won't it be did, sorry. It did make me want to create a film adaptation of heavy rain except like very campy and in the style of clue where there are actual like different Ooh, I love at the that. end of the movie yeah i, I want to do that now i want to make the heavy rain fan film which is an incredibly ambitious undertaking that i absolutely will never do well what the hell did we watch for the show this week patrick yeah you chose yeah, this so one i was saying i mean i don't uh, really buy horror movies or anything else on physical media i only watch horror movies on the soul undisputed authoritative source of horror movies online netflix which of course we as usual return to this week for my pick the 1999 thai film nang nak would anybody care to kind of just set up the basic premise of nang nak as we jump into it here yeah so this is a thai film and it's based on um what apparently is the most popular thai ghost story about a um a pregnant woman whose husband goes off to war and uh i mean i don't think it's spoilers it's, it's not it's, spoilers I mean, she, we're, we're not going to be able to talk about it she, without giving away the premise no it's not even though the premise is shocking uh, yeah so she she dies in childbirth and waits for her lover to come back from war and chaos ensues when he does as a ghost of course yeah with the ghost baby and a ghost baby, something I we've not seen in our journey so far, I think. Yeah, uh, and the fascinating thing about this, well, one of a number of things that are kind of fascinating to me about this movie is, you know, as you said, Stephen, this is uh, apparently just a really popular and well-known story in Thailand. And this is 
I forget the number, but this is one of many film adaptations of this story. Like, if you look it up, there are probably at least 10 film versions of this story that have been done. It is, and this movie was, at the time, an unheralded blockbuster. Um, Just, like, blue blue ticket sales off the charts. But recently, and I, I, I mean... I don't think this will reflect my review at all, but I think in 2013, there was a version of this story told from the man's perspective that made even hmm. more money. Huh. Well, and, and we should clarify, I mean, a, a blockbuster in Thailand specifically. So, like, if you haven't heard of this film before, uh, it, w- it wasn't necessarily a blockbuster here. It was uh, the first Thai film to earn 100 million baht. Uh, which is the Thai unit of currency at the box yeah. office, and uh, went on to earn more than 150 million baht. So yeah, just certainly destroying Thai box office records. And tickets were 100 baht, just to put this in perspective. But still, like an unparalleled success. And I think it was one of the first Thai movies in decades to actually do an international tour, and it gained a lot of critical acclaim across the across the globe, really. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because, well, it's so interesting to me, the the variety of films that we end up running into in this journey, because there's so much that fits under the horror umbrella on Netflix. And, and I'm always excited when we get to watch a movie from another country, um, because it always results in just, you know, really learning some some fascinating new um, cultural traditions and, and just uh, storytelling traditions that we might never have heard of or thought of and also uh this was interesting to me because it kind of gets into that very like it feels like a prestige movie almost you know it feels like it has that kind of feeling of um maybe even like an oscar Beatty kind of movie almost which is not territory that we get into very often we're we're pretty heavy in schlock territory most of the time but this you know has a feeling of some real weight about it like it looks really looks really really beautiful has some great performances and at least for me, it was, it was fairly emotionally moving. So just, I don't know, certainly an outlier in our often uh, schlock-heavy journey. You know what movie this reminded me of a lot? Mm. James Cameron's Titanic. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, be- because it's like, you know, the number one box office movie in Thailand or something. And it's very much like titanic in that it's a pretty simple story it's fundamentally a love story it's based on a story that everybody in the country already knows and knows how it ends and it it doesn't throw a whole lot of real surprises at you probably um it's just it's just a good competent good competent film well, it's based and on i a think it came tale. out the same year as titanic as well right wasn't titanic 99 no, no? no titanic was 97 oh okay my bad star wars episode one was 99 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only notable film of 99, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. <laughs> well, from what I've read, this film kind of revitalized the Thai film industry. Um, and, like, it, this film, like, showed that a fairly low-budget Thai film could be respectable and that audiences would want to go and see it, which explains the box office. Um, but a problem I have with it right out the gate is that it's based on a folk tale which I was not familiar with, but I've, you know, it's it's not that uncommon for this kind of folktale to be uh, part of, you know, several <laughs> cultures around the world. Like, you know from the beginning that, like, she's a ghost. 
I did not. They tell oh, you no. at the beginning. They yeah, tell you at the beginning exactly what happens. And I knew she was going to be a ghost. Yeah, but I guess I didn't put that together because you're right. I just I was a surprise to me, and I was very confused for a moment when they show you what actually happened. Because because what happens just for our listeners' sake, our hero comes back from war. We see some of his experiences at war, and it's kind of intercut with her having this baby, and she uh, has a difficult childbirth, and then the guy comes home and he sees his wife. He sees the new baby. They live blissfully for a couple days, and then we see kind of a flashback to. Oh wait, uh uh Knock actually died in childbirth and they buried her and this is a ghost. Well and that was a surprise to me, but you're right, they do kind of give that away. The, in the, the, the movie begins and this this is kind of like I love I love folk tales and I love reading about folk tales from other countries. It's it's sort of a passion of mine, and this is one that I was unfamiliar with. But I feel like folk tales as films are better left as bedtime stories. Like because they like they generally tell you at the beginning what's going to happen, and then you just kind of spend an hour and thirty minutes living it through. I would agree with that, but this is uh, sort of an outlier for me. I think because of the strength of the performances. I mean, you could tell this story mm. in a very simple way, just you know, sitting around the campfire. Um, you could make a film of it, also in a very simple way that's sort of organized more around the ooga booga ghost kind of stuff but honestly there aren't a lot of very horror-ish moments in this and the main thing that carried me through an hour and 40 minutes of this movie was just the really strong performances from the two leads and the strong chemistry between yeah. them. i was just interested in what happened to them as a couple more than anything i felt that and i felt that it transcended that kind of model that i was just describing of like okay we're gonna tell you here's the, we're gonna remind you i mean because this movie was made presumably for Thai audiences. We're going to remind you of what this classic folktale is that we all know, but we're going to show it to you in a way that you haven't seen before. It's like the Passion of the Christ. (laughs) What do you mean by that? (laughs) Well, Well, I I see what he's saying. The Passion of the Christ was a hugely successful film. Well, I've never seen it either, but it was hugely successful in the United States. um, Because it was just a showing someone the, the, the Bible story of the crucifixion that everyone that everyone had heard, but just showing presenting it in a new way and a way that ties into the the cultural identity of the country, um, much like you know this this uh, folktale apparently does. I was reading some other reviews. Maybe we can link to some of them in the in the show notes. But it seems yeah, very sure political. Just, it seems like yeah, if you very... just look up Nang Nak uh, reviews, there's a lot of good analysis of the themes of the of the fable and of the movie, where it's like, yeah, this actually ties into questions like, what does it mean to be a Buddhist, or what does it mean to mm. be a Thai, um, you know, things like that. Yeah, I totally see that, and, and I find that kind of fascinating. I don't know if if that would really, if like reading more about that would change my perception of the film going through it again but that said this was a really surprisingly well-made movie for me like i've not seen a lot of thai cinema i I can't say i've seen any i may have and have not realized it but this is a, a really beautiful kind of lush pastoral sort of film that even given my sort of apprehension about laying out the ghost story element right out the gate i was i was pretty entranced by this thing 
Yeah, I mean, our protagonists live in, uh, you know, kind of a hut on a river. And I was just fascinated by that setting. Uh, I think this takes place in what the 1840s or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which it's, it's hard to it's hard to to it's easy to miss that. So you gotta you gotta remind yourself that this is a period piece. Yeah, people in Thailand by and large are not living in little riverside huts <laughs> in the year 2020. But the 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 date marks are like it's using like the Buddhist calendar or something like the lunar mm-hmm. calendar or whatever it is. So it's like, you know, the, the date comes up on the screen and then there's this huge subtitle. That's like, you know, the, the fourth season of the eighth rotation of the lunar something in the year 2150 or something. And I, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but, um, yeah, I kind of love that little... about this because like, if it, <laughs> it feels like a period piece, I mean, the details are set up, but it also, for some reason felt very current to me yeah it feels it feels very authentic i mean for a film that was made in 99 it's it's a very it it just felt like a very real and very lived in reconstruction of life at that time in thailand and obviously i have no perspective for what life was actually like at that time in thailand but it had the feeling of authenticity to it you know it didn't feel like some big fake hollywood production it felt like real people living in a real setting and it felt like low budget in a way that felt big for me. Like, like this yeah. is clear, like not a lot of money was put into this movie, but like every single shot just oozed with authenticity. It's got big El Mariachi energy. <laughs> oh God. No, it's Wait, what's El Mariachi? <laughs> the Robert Rodriguez movie. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, you know, the, the scene that comes to mind for me when you mention that is the couple of war scenes when mock right mock is the husband mm-hmm. yeah because it's mock and knock and so i, I yeah mix them up and, a little and bit they, they yeah. don't let you forget that <laughs> yeah they say each other's <laughs> names quite a bit another thing it has in common with james cameron's titanic but yes exactly <laughs> you know what i bet i would be shocked if the people who made this movie didn't see titanic and say i bet we could do that <laughs> you, you might be right and that's fine that's fine because this is a fine film yeah <laughs> But yeah, the the couple of war scenes are genuinely horrifying. And again, I assume a pretty small budget, but they make good use of extras and potentially, I don't know, some of those like corpses strewn around the the battlefield that we get close ups of. I think they just put makeup on people who are like amputees in real life because there are some blown off like legs and arms where I was like, wow, that looks very real. There's some Hodorowski El Topo kind of shit going on here where you have like people who are actually physically mangled playing as though they've been in a war scene yeah um it's a it's a disturbing scene um and 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 as you said you know i I think it makes good use of what was probably a fairly small budget yeah so but like yeah the war stuff it it also makes you kind of feel like the movie's going in one direction and that it doesn't quite like it it kind of felt a little bit like the deer hunter or something or like a a jacob's ladder which i haven't seen jacob's ladder but like the idea that like maybe maybe mock's predicament was that he was going to come home to his family but like be haunted by the war for the rest of the movie but and we get a little bit of that but that's that's the least of his worries actually so yeah i mean we have that early voiceover over as we were talking about that does set up the fact that knock is undead but i was kind of wondering for a minute if mock was also a ghost as well or was going to be a ghost because he sustained some pretty serious wounds and i i was kind of puzzling 
I never had any doubt about that, but that's really interesting. I kind of wish I had had that kind of read on this movie because, again, the intro, the monologue at the beginning sort of tells you everything you need to know. And I didn't really feel any suspense regarding the situation between him and his wife. I assumed he lives, he comes back, she's a ghost. They tell you everything at the beginning, and I never felt a moment where I questioned that. Yeah, you know, I, I thought that voiceover was weird. I And I, I guess I'll tip my hand here. Well, I mean, we kind of all are. It's, I think it's clear that we all seem to have enjoyed this movie. Um, but, you know, this one's pretty close to... I, I don't really have too many complaints with this movie other than I would just like to pull that voiceover <laughs> from early in the movie. I would too. Because to me, it really undercut the what was otherwise presented and played very much as a twist that she's dead about you know, maybe a half hour into the movie or 45 minutes in, that's revealed. And it really, it seems strange that you drop that voiceover in early. And again, you know, this is coming very much from an American perspective where I'm sure the Thai audience that this was intended for go into this already knowing the entire story anyways. So, you know, uh, they didn't have the same experience, but at least from my perspective, pull that voiceover out and you fix pretty much the only quasi problem with the movie in my mind. Well, I, I, yeah, I agree with that. And I also think that like, okay, this movie, while it did have a lot of international success, apparently it feels like it was very much made for its home audience, which makes me wonder why that initial scene was included because the intended audience knows that story. It's like, from everything I've read, the most famous Thai folk story. Yeah, well, it could just be, you know, the way that movies are made in Thailand. It could just be a convention. Um, or it could just be, like, I'm thinking of Lawrence of Arabia or something, where it's like it's taking a story that kind of presumes people have some familiarity with, but it starts with, like, a couple of guys being like, hey, did you know Lawrence of Arabia? Oh, yes, didn't he do this? <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, then they show you, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Well, for the, for the listening audience, you know, I, I think those who haven't seen the movie may at this point be asking, okay, so how is this horror? So let's talk about the the couple of truly horrifying scenes. I mean, I also love this movie. There were more there than are, a couple. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but they're pretty spaced out. I mean, for a solid half hour or so, this does not seem at all like a horror movie. And overall, I mean, I, I would say it's more, you know, a, a tragedy, a romance. A, sure. A, ghost story it's not you know it doesn't feel like a horror movie for the most part but there are a few scenes with some pretty delightful uh practical effects there are some rotting corpses corpses that rot before our eyes in fact yeah there's there's, there's, some a, there's a moment in this, in this movie, movie that, that impressed me patrick i texted you this last night that there was something in this movie that i i didn't want to reveal spoilers that i'd never seen in a movie before oh, yeah. which is a tarantula ostensibly committing suicide. <laughs> was that what? what that was? I was trying to figure out what yeah. that was. It almost, to me, it looked like the tarantula humping the wall, which I was sure was no, not the like, actual intention, but I wasn't sure what I was supposed to take from that moment. There's a tarantula just slamming itself into a, into a wall over and over again until it falls over and dies. And like, I've never oh, yeah. read or seen that in a horror piece. <laughs> I thought it was just knocking on the, the door, like knocking on the wall. Like, but it dies. Know. I mean, like he commits suicide. I, you can't I didn't realize it. it died, but I did think it was a very, you know, yeah, it's something you've never seen before with this tarantula, just like, yeah, 
knocking on the wall as a bad omen. That was fun. That's another yeah. one of those things where it's like it's like much like a bird flying into the window or something. That's like maybe that's just yeah. If you're in Thailand, everyone's like, yeah, that's a bad omen. When the tarantula is knocking on the door, it means the shit's gonna go down. <laughs> and it was especially and clearly, it just seems kind of strange and creative. It was especially horrifying for me because I love spiders and I love tarantulas, and it was like heartbreaking for me to see this tarantula just off himself in that way. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean there there are clearly some interesting um, you know, cultural norms and storytelling traditions that we're not used to, you know, the owls. Well, owls certainly mean a, a number of things in our culture, but there's definitely some shit with owls in this movie. Like owls are frequently seen. Oh, when shit Patrick, is going down. any kind of creepy crawly creature is in this movie. Like this movie has snakes, That's true. it has rats, it has tarantulas, it has Komodo dragons. Komodo dragons, yeah. yes. Monitor lizards, yep. Oh, oh yeah, I guess those are monitors. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not they're, they're they're Komodo-esque, but but yeah, but I mean that's basically where you get your scares from because you get some bad omens before uh Knock dies and then once Knock is a ghost, she's pretty docile at home. She just wants to be with her husband, but if anyone dares threaten the status quo, they end up uh, you know, drowned or burned or eaten by monitor lizards uh or, you know, killed in a variety of un- uncanny ways well yeah and she takes what i would consider fairly righteous revenge on the midwife who supervised her who, who kind of presided over her death uh because this midwife stole her wedding ring before conducting her funeral which i was like all right you know that's fair i didn't know that that was a faux pas to steal a <laughs> to steal a dead person's wedding ring <laughs> Well, like if I went to war and I came home and my wife died in childbirth, maybe they would keep the ring. Well, yeah, but I don't think they were keeping it to give it back to to mock. The woman was well, just stealing it. The way that was shot, because they show her them like preparing Knox's body for the burial and everything. I, I, it wasn't clear to me that it wasn't just the way you prepare bodies for burial right. in that tradition that you just take their jewelry off. Because why wouldn't you? Well, but the woman kind of like really like ripped it off Knox's finger and then sort of secreted it away yeah. in her um her garments and then later Knox specifically references that the woman stole her ring. Ah. Well, that's what a ghost would say, right? <laughs> oh, they stole my like maybe she wasn't doing anything wrong. Oh, they stole my ring though cause... Are you really gaslighting the ghost right now? <laughs> I'm just saying the ghost. I love this. You know, you don't trust a ghost when it says someone stole some of their shit because they may have been dead already. Okay, ghost shamer. This is also a very wet movie. Like, everything's wet. I mean, I was, I was they... wet while watching it. I, I should mention that before I... <laughs> I should mention this earlier, but this movie, I think I told Chris before, this movie was in my queue before we... before Patrick chose for us to review it because the artwork on Netflix made it look like a gay Asian erotic drama. <laughs> Not quite. Oh, right, almost. Yeah. Almost. There's a couple of couple of scenes that that got me off, but not yeah, enough. They live on the some... river. It's always humid. It's always rainy. Someone's always spitting. <laughs> There's blood everywhere. It's just a mud. Lots of mud. Everything's wet in this film, and that's it's a beautiful thing. I want to talk about something. Wait, what made you? What made you think that it was a gay? 
drama. Well, the, so this was, I mean, I'm not kidding. This was literally in my queue. This movie, um, the original artwork for it, which I did not know was a horror movie, was like two beautiful Thai men shirtless in pantaloons up against a tree. And I, I just thought, okay, well, I should watch that later. That kind of hmm. hits on. Are you sure it wasn't knock and mock? <laughs> Wait, what? Are you sure it wasn't knock and mock? Um, no. You said two men. I mean, are you? It was probably knock and arm when like arm comes. Yes, and it was like, arm hey, for you. sure. It was arm. Yeah. Um, because there's the oh. there's a pivotal scene where where Mock's best friend finds him in the forest and is like, "Hey, man, just so you know, your wife's dead and you're living with a ghost." <laughs> I, like we may want to the scene. call we never want to get from our best friend. I've seen a number of images of Thai people before. I was curious about their teeth in this film. Yeah. So I looked Me at too. well I looked at I looked it up as well. They're, yeah, they're 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 eating the uh the the beetle leaf or whatever. Betel, I beetle, I don't know what it's called. I think it's, but it's I think it's battle. It's like uh, it seems to be almost kind of like a narcotic that comes from yeah. nature and that is apparently very prevalent in Thai culture. And it turns your saliva red and eventually your teeth black, I guess. So it's the equivalent of like chewing tobacco. It's, yeah, it's like chewing tobacco. So they're kind of like chewing on this stuff throughout the movie and it kind of gives their, their teeth and lips this kind of unnatural red color that we're not used to seeing. But no one else seems to be surprised by it. And then that, once I, they mentioned the name of the plant, I looked it up. I'm like, oh, that's what they do. They do mention Great. the name of the plant. Well, and, was, and like, I didn't, I didn't go into this movie thinking like, oh, that's fucking gross and weird and like horror-ish. I just, I was immediately curious about like why, like what is it in this culture that they're ingesting that might make them look that way and it and that look doesn't lend to the horror bent of this movie by any means but it was just kind of an uh an interesting cultural discovery for me well and it was interesting because the first time i noticed that and i'm surprised i didn't notice it earlier in the movie i guess was when mock returned from war and uh because it looked almost like his mouth was bloody at first i I thought I was supposed to take something away from that. And that also kind of contributed to my kind of period where I thought that maybe he was a ghost too. I thought that maybe that was communicating something about their, whether they were ghosts or not, I guess. And then I like slowly, finally it dawned on me that basically everyone looked that way. And I'm not sure why it took me that long to realize that, but it did. No, I mean, that's fair. It's, it's a pretty shocking thing, but apparently it's very common in this culture and also apparently has a lot of, sort of health implications in that culture as well like it similarly to chewing tobacco all right well i think we've uh, about covered all the ground that we can cover with nong knock before going down into the spoiler room so i think we should head in that direction but before we do just a quick reminder to you all that uh, we have uh, awesome merch out at every horror movie on netflix.com click on the merch store link out there to uh, check out our t-shirts and other things that you can get with every horror movie on netflix art on them your friends will love you they'll think you're super cool and they'll want to listen to this podcast and uh you will tell them listen to it uh which we always ask of you, you know, share the podcast with your friends, uh, review us on your podcast provider of choice, because uh, we love to see it. We love the feedback and it helps people to find the show. Uh, we are at Amoncast, E-H-M-O-N-Cast on all your social media networks. So check us out there as well, if you haven't already. 
So with all that business out of the way, I guess we should review the damn movie. Uh, Steven, would you like to go first? Yeah, I, I would give this a cue it. I think it's a really fascinating film. I, I can't say I've ever seen a Thai film before, let alone a horror film. It kind of wears his heart on its sleeve very early, telling you exactly what's going to happen. But still, there's some gnarly shit in this. Like, I, I expected to kind of have a, as I've described before, a very sleepy experience with this movie. But every 10 or 15 minutes, there's some really gross creature stuff in it that kind of drew me back in even though I knew what was going on. Absolutely. Yeah, there's just a couple of scenes I can think of that are like among the most horrifying horror scenes I can think of that just involve everyday people and creatures. Um, snakes and rats and arachnids. Uh, it's pretty good. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm thinking back on the Titanic analogy, and that might not be wrong. Like, I feel like this this particular Thai filmmaker might have seen that film and wanted to make something that was a bigger, richer, dramatic production than the Thai filmmaking industry had made before. And yet it still winds up being pretty nasty at times. Even though I... I'm not a huge fan of Titanic and I did enjoy this movie. I think that's a perfectly apt analogy for this movie because it does have that big blockbuster kind of scope and that epic romance, you know, it's got that, um, you know, as you said, Steven, it's very hard on sleeve. Um, yeah, I totally get it. And let's not forget that Titanic is largely an action movie. You know, people tend to forget that. It's got the romance. Oh, I don't forget that. To get you in the theater. But once you're there, it is pretty uncompromising in, in, in action, much like this is uncompromising in horror. Yeah, this movie, it's tricky for me because um, it tells you what's going to happen from the beginning, but you don't know exactly how it's going to play out. And when it does play out, it's pretty emotional. I felt very emotionally connected to it and was also very surprised by some of the really gnarly horror peaks that just kind of come out of nowhere in this thing i wouldn't say view it but i would say if you are interested in international horror and want to do some research on a different sort of vein of horror that you're not familiar with totally check this out all right chris so i have to give it a screw it what wow 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 and listen that sounds really severe but that's just because of our rating scale and how screw it is a severe thing to say i have nothing against this movie it's it's i respect this movie for what it was um it certainly wasn't bad i like it more having read some supplementary articles about it and kind of what it means thematically and kind of the legend of nang nak to thailand um and and how important that is uh that kind of made me like the movie more in retrospect the fact of the matter is though it just isn't a great movie watching experience Uh, i thought it's kind of slow some of the romance stuff works for me but a lot of it doesn't there are some good creature stuff but it's it's too few and far between i think for horror fans um i certainly wouldn't discourage anyone from watching it if you are interested in it but i can't wholeheartedly recommend anyone put it in their queue because if if you have to queue it you're gonna probably just fall asleep if it's like if you're not like really interested in watching this movie yeah um so 
I, I have to say, screw it. Check it out if you want, but screw it. <laughs> wow. Well, that's insane. <laughs> I give it a view it, strong view it, maybe not view it with prejudice, but I thought this was, uh, yeah, again, just uh, culturally fascinating. I thought it was emotionally really moving. Great horror elements, as we've discussed. Really enjoyed it. Had a good time with it. I wish I'd had that experience. It, it was it was pretty sleepy for me, but um, had enough to keep me going. But I totally understand Chris's perspective. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's not like thrill a minute by any stretch it's of the imagination. Titanic. No, and I'm glad it fucking isn't. Um, but yeah, that uh, yeah, we'll leave it. We'll leave it at when's that. The, when's the last time you saw Titanic? Patrick? Fucking long enough ago. Not long enough ago, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will Let's say put two, it this way. The- I watched it on VHS. I watched it over the space of two VHS tapes. Oh, a double oh VHS, God. yeah. If you haven't seen Titanic as an adult, you have no business talking about Titanic. I have, and it sucks. Um, <laughs> uh, whatever. So... I will say. I mean, it's no avatar. In the spoiler room, we might get into more about like what this movie meant culturally for the place that it came from, and I totally respect that. I think it's kind of amazing what a success this movie was, and that it spawned other films to become very successful in Thailand. But as it is, you know, it's it's functional. We'll get into it down the spoiler room. We're going to get down there to the basement with the rats. They're going to be biting our ankles. They're going to be floating. The rat, dead rats are just going to be floating on the fucking water. Yeah, that's a fucking thing that happens in this movie. Jesus. All oh, right. God. All right. We're putting on our waiters. We're going down to the spoiler room. Uh, if you want to hear all the spoilers from Nong Knock, follow us on down there. If not, you know, if you got that fear of floating rats, uh, get the fuck out. Go watch Nong Knock. Or, you know, if, you, if you're on Team Chris, don't. If you're an animal rights activist, just don't. <laughs> don't watch this movie. Don't listen past this point. If you're thinking of going to the spoiler room, don't. Don't. All right. We'll be back in a sec. All right, we are back. We're down here in the spoiler room. We're wading through rats. It's disgusting. And we're going to get into all the spoilers from Nong Nok. So, I ask you, gentlemen, what are the spoilers from Nong Nok? How do we spoil this? Because we know from the beginning that Nok is a ghost or becomes a ghost. We know from the beginning that her husband goes off to war and comes back eventually to find her as a ghost. This is a really hard movie to spoil, but yet a lot of weird shit happens once we get into what would presumably be called spoiler territory. It's just such a simple story. It's just such a simple yarn. I mean, it's really about the relatable impermanence of a relationship and all things must come Mm. to an end, whether through naturally or whether because you're going to die someday. I love that read, Um, Chris. 
Yeah, I mean that's 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 what's going on here, and and that's actually where it ties into the Buddhist themes because I don't know a lot about Buddhism. I know that you guys know more than I do, but you know the whole concept of impermanence and 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 not having attachments uh-huh. to things, um, and that's really where we end up. Where basically, you know, various people try to warn our our guy uh, uh, Mock. And he's like, I don't want to hear that my wife's a ghost. You're crazy. And then Not keeps killing people. And then eventually he decides to, like, you know, I don't know. He, he like, looks inward and can tell that Nock's a ghost. And he gets kind of freaked out. So he runs to his local monastery. And he's like, help me. And they're like, yeah, well, we told you she was a damn ghost. Well, here, get in the prayer circle. We're going to, you know, do our chants. And then well, that's his, she that's shows his best up. friend, right? His best friend dies. Um, no, his best friend dies, but he has another friend who like goes to the, you know, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to call this guy. Like the supreme Buddhist in this movie, and sort of explains what's going on, and then he ends up telling. Fuck, what's yeah, his name? There, there's like, a <laughs> there's an unfuckwithable shaman who who nurses Mach back to health from the battlefield and mock i think makes some sort of promise to him that like yeah i'm gonna go home but then i'm gonna come back and be a monk or something like that wait is that the same shaman Uh, the guy who nurses him on the battlefield is the one who shows up late in the movie yes the guy who's like exhuming knock yes wow i Uh, my mind is the guy who exhumes knock the guy who shows up once she's already exhumed oh Oh, okay. Yeah, well, we're talking about different people. If you're the shaman, is the is the kind of creepy guy with the beard who is doing right. some kind of questionable shit, exhuming her. So I, I think shaman is not the term to use because shaman is the term used to describe that guy in the movie. Okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. I may be confusing my terms, but we'll so we'll just call him the unfuckwithable monk, the holy man. <laughs> sure. I don't, know, I don't know what the uh, yeah. appropriate thing is. Also, love um, that actor who plays like the the sort of like lead in the the buddhist temple that they're in like, oh yeah he's just like so like he has no fucks to give he's, yeah, he's so a little cantankerous he's like he shows up he's like look you're you're living with a ghost man it's a sin we gotta we gotta get you to so you gotta get you some help we gotta bless this house we gotta get a, a shaman involved and mock's like no nah, man i don't want to hear that why are you lying to me you're a holy man you shouldn't be lying he's like okay mock whatever uh, have i warned you <laughs> Yeah, and he's the one who brings the the actual shaman in, right? Or is that other villagers who who bring that guy in? I'm not sure, but it's a, it's a, it's a team effort. It does take a village to put knock back to rest. Well, yeah, but that shaman the, is kind of portrayed to be sort of shady, and the unfuckwithable monk ends up showing up and being like, well, I mean, first uh, knock causes the shaman to beat himself to death with a rock, but then the monk shows up and is like, alright, we're gonna do this the right way now. It's it's It seems to be suggested to me that the shaman is, you know, sort of conducting rites that are, you know, not uh, on the up and up. Huh. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel that way either. I just thought that this was above the pay grade of the shaman. Mm. Exactly. Uh, okay. Um... But yeah, so they have Mock in the temple. We get some good, uh, good spooks, I guess, with with Knox's ghost like levitating upside down from the ceiling and 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 begging for. That was dope. And there's a lot of heartfelt stuff. That was dope. There's a lot of heartfelt stuff where they're both like, oh yeah, oh we have to, oh I want, I love you, and like ah whatever. Yeah, I mean when you say it's about the impermanence of a relationship, I mean that's 
totally accurate. And I mean, it's two characters who don't want to let go of each other. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. what it is when you boil it down. You know, she doesn't want to depart this life and, and leave him behind. And he doesn't want to accept that she and, and his child are dead. And it's, you know, it's extremely relatable. It's, an, it's a very emotional story. And I will say this film made box office records when it came out. And in 2013, a new film came out in Thailand about the same folk story from the male's perspective that blew this film out of the water. Like, I feel like there's so much to be mined from this that I can't discredit this film for its faults for at least trying to... So what you're saying is if I want to make a few hundred thousand baht, I should go to Thailand and and make an adaptation of this story. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, but I feel like this story is... (laughs) That's called cultural appropriation, Chris. (laughs) This, this, you don't think they want to see Pizza Face knock? <laughs> this story is rich with cultural and uh, gender implications. And I find it really fascinating that, at least from what I've read, this folk story has, like, through various films, totally rejuvenated the Thai film industry. Yeah, yeah. Some of the analysis I've read suggested that as well. And, I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's just... Again, it's very relatable. It's very universal, which was so interesting for me to think about because at one point I was like, okay, so we're talking about a woman who is actively or a spirit of a woman, whatever, who is actively just fucking straight up killing people in horrifying ways. And also a guy who wants to like hold on to his dead wife's spirit and not let her rest. Like both of these people, I mean, when you boil it down to those terms, they're making fairly morally unjustifiable choices, you know, but also it's completely relatable. Totally. I would totally. have thought it was, would be, I would have uh, found it more interesting if Mock had realized that Nock was a ghost and still wanted to live with her. Yeah. Well, he so that, that was kind of, that was kind of the problem for me is that like he it took so long for him to realize that that's what was happening, even though we knew that was what was happening. And by the time it comes down to it, I'm like, where's the drama here? Yeah. So, but whatever. I can't complain. The the ultimate the ultimate uh, climax is they've got Nock exhumed. They're doing various rituals on her with varying levels of success to try to put her back at, at rest. And you know what? I was really hoping that we would get some 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 thrills and chills with like a reanimated totally corpse of Nock. yes. <laughs> now. I was yeah, too, but like I, wa- I appreciate how understated that whole bit was. It was very understated, but I because the level of the effects was so strong early on. I really wanted a Nightmare on Elm Street three situation with the with the bones coming back to life. No, that's not the tone um, of this movie. Well, uh, the bones come the back tone. to life in a very discreet sort of way, in that like her. The, her frontal lobe is apparently turned into some kind of a jewelry object that is passed down yeah. from generation to generation that has ostensibly been lost to time and who knows who possesses it and yeah. I, I, I that was that was an interesting little epilogue but but like you know ultimately we have the ghost of knock reuniting with corpse knock their whole she's holding hands with mock and they they just keep saying to each other knock mock knock mock knock mock like those are their last words to each other um 
It and feels so real, hands... though. I was so, I was so upset in that moment. It was so emotional, and like they hold hands for so long, and like they they don't want to like their last two fingers are still touching, and they don't want to let go. And I was just uh, I was there for it. We okay. I I was very touched by that, but we also haven't talked about like the horrifying sequence where she delivers or doesn't deliver her baby and there's ropes involved and there's like oh, yeah. like seven different people in the room like <sighs> that shit was fucking horrifying to me oh yeah i mean it's yeah. a very unsettling i mean it's a, a very unsettling thing that's happening to her i mean <laughs> having childbirth and undergoing some form of i guess a c-section in the 1840s is horrifying right. enough uh, under any circumstances but it's certainly presented in a very horrifying way well and the fact that like everyone involved is in the community and they know like for our protagonist that like that didn't go well <laughs> and like mm-hmm. so few people are willing to confront him and tell him that his wife is a fucking ghost and his baby is a ghost like I love that stuff yeah man it's good well, yeah then we get the uh then we get the the little intern monk cutting the the the, the piece out of Knox's skull and we get some exposition in the voiceover about how that relic was passed through hands and lost to time and um so when you ask what my what my big stupid impulse purchase was this week mm. <laughs> here we go i might i might have a little piece of knock um <laughs> <laughs> that really is a doozy. But, uh, you uh, you did not uh, falsely build that up. But um, I guess my understanding of the folklore is that Knox actually still out there as a ghost in some form. Yeah, and that totally. the that the that the relic was kind of her more malevolent uh, aspect or something kept under control. Well, the- uh, because I guess people will still go and and put leave offerings for knock and they think that they'll bless them like when there's a draft uh they the, the men go and 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 pray to knock and leave something so that because knock will not let them be conscripted because that's what happened to mock and then also uh pregnant women uh stay away from knock and stay away from her shrine <laughs> for for obvious reasons well the head monk the the unfuckwithable monk as we keep referring to him as um says he's going to take that relic with him like he's going to help her um sort of you know complete her karmic cycle i think uh, he's he's going to help her continue healing and atoning for what she's done it's suggested mm-hmm. ah yep and then we get this very interesting shot of mock now having become a monk as he swore at the beginning of the film paddling down the river and i think he goes by his house and there's a little moment and you're like what's going on here is 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 he looking for her? is she there but i think it's just supposed to be a little more bittersweet and straightforward than that i think it's just like oh yep here i am a monk oh remember knock yeah those were the days yep beautiful story beautiful film <laughs> that you gave a screw it yeah i mean I, yeah yep all right well that's nong knock now I guess it's time to find out what we're watching next week, and it is Stephen's uh, turn to to pick that. So Stephen, what's up next? Don't fuck us, Stephen. Don't fuck us. Don't fuck, don't us. fuck us. Guys, I'm gonna fuck you so hard. Um, we are watching the car Road to Revenge. Oh boy. <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> uh, this so is great Patrick because we can... recently watched the car. I did not watch the car. What do I need to know about the car to go into the car road to revenge? The car is like... What happened to the car that it needs revenge? <laughs> you... You'll never know. <laughs> I think that's part of the appeal. We Patrick and I watched the car as part of the spoop, uh, spoop group night um, quite a while ago, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I guess we should clarify that. Yeah, I remember that's when our, you did that. That was a while ago. This our, is this our, like, recurring spooky movie night with friends that Chris never comes to because he hates us. That's the backstory on Spoop yep. Group. And for those who are like, what's Spoop Group? Yeah, so this is a movie from the late 70s about a really awesome car that happens <laughs> to be the <laughs> the crux of all evil. And somehow... Somehow, some low-budget film company has made a sequel to it, and I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Like, I, love I love that you the just car. Like, I love that you just like slipped into like full eight-year-old mode. You're like, it's a movie about a really awesome car. That's how I feel, though. Like, I love the car. I love the movie, the car. I love the car and the car, and I want to see that car do some. Same what do shit. I need to know about this car? I feel like I'm underprepared. Chris, for I have Bill's Blu-ray, and I will. I don't want to watch dude, it. Just tell dude, me, dude. Okay, you remember Christine? We know Christine. Yeah, a great I remember film, Christine. A great American film. Imagine Christine. Film. Same concept, except with way less explanation for why the car is sentient and wants to kill things. Is it? Does the car have an owner? No, no. It's just a fucking car that kills people for no no it's reason just like oh here comes a car it's just a monster car there's it's not like yes. anyone's yeah. car amazing all right can't wait for car road to revenge i'm so delighted this is just like the epitome of the every horror movie on netflix journey to me that we're going from this like thai sort of prestige drama to the car road to revenge it's great i love it can't wait to watch it in i'm two thrilled weeks. all right well you know you know what to do go to every horror movie on netflix.com go to the merch store review us subscribe to the podcast follow us at amoncast e-h-m-o-n-cast on all your social networks uh we love you and we love it when you show us that love back uh i think that's all we've got for this mm-hmm. week uh for so i got all right well we'll see you in a couple weeks for the car road to revenge for every horror movie on netflix i'm patrick i'm chris I'm Steven. And we will see you soon. Bye-bye.